0: It's time to think bigger.
1: Elias Pedersen,
0: score! Think bolder. Matthew Kachat, what a goal! This is Rintoul and Sermon. Another chance, great save by Markstrom. shot, be back, great save by Tim Cole. On the Sportsnet Radio Network.
2: Friday morning. Yes. Happy Canada Day. Hope you're having a wonderful morning so far and your day is just about to get better. It's probably pretty good if you got up really early like Joey and myself did. This is Rintoul and Sermon, Karen Sermon. And today I am joined by Joey Kenward this morning as he is in for a vacationing Scott Rintoul and a vacationing Jamie Dodd. Joey, good morning.
1: How are you? I'm ready for a nap. <laughs> I'm ready just to relax. No, I'm not. I'm pumped to be here. And how could you not be pumped as a Canadian? No matter what sport you love, no matter what sport you follow, especially at the Olympics. Yeah. Because some are into track and field. Some are into soccer. Some are into sweat. Like, who cares right now? What a day already. Another gold medal victory. And it's an oh-so-memorable one in a sport that has at times been a struggle at this stage yes for our country but it's a golden feeling today for our national women's program
2: before we get into it fully um I mean my heart this morning I don't think I can take much more I might need to go home and just kind of do a little woos <laughs> because
0: it's like what
2: <laughs> do it's been an incredible morning we will get into it throughout the show we're going to set it up though what we have on tap for you um coming up in about 30 minutes time we're going to speak with the fan 960s peter labardius we'll talk a lot about what's been happening at the olympics i know he's a big olympic fan as well joey yep. uh flames and canucks anything else we feel like talking about with him then in hour number two we'll head to toronto to talk to brad faye who's been covering these olympics for sports net he's been doing the overnights right
1: well i'll tell you what we're going to be I want to hear from him because he's been doing, you're right, for Sportsnet, the overnights, and he would have planned to be working on the desk when Canada versus Sweden would have originally been scheduled last night. Right. But he probably had a very brief overnight nap to wake up and not only watch the soccer, but the track and field medals that Mm -hmm. Canada claimed as well. So he's been doing a great job for our network coast to coast and we're pumped to have him on later this morning.
2: Yeah, we're also going to talk a little basketball because this came down during our show uh, yesterday but some big news out of Toronto because the Raptors have re-signed Masai Ujiri, finally re-signed Masai Ujiri but he gets a nice little title and promotion as well so we'll talk to Brad about what that means for the uh, Raptors head office. In the third hour of the show we're going to head to Winnipeg to speak to Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press. He was at IG Field last night uh, in Winnipeg for the CFL season opener between the Bombers and Cats. I want to get his opinion of someone who was there because Joey, you and I watched it on television at least portions of it throughout the night and it was an incredible scene because yes, we've seen 500, 2,500, 3,500 fans at the Bell Center for the Stanley Cup Finals. We've seen fans a bit in Toronto for the Leafs um, first round No, who had fans? Winnipeg had fans, I think. I don't know. Anyways, we've seen some fans in the stands in Canada so far, but we've never seen 30,000 people in a venue since this pandemic hit. He was there, I want to see, because it was a really surreal scene for me.
1: And the BC Lions, who are opening up their season tonight in Saskatchewan against the Riders, they're expecting a full house at Mosaic Stadium in Regina. So um, it looked a little, I'm not going to lie, and I know we'll get into this uh, as the show rolls along here, it looked a little weird. It looked a little weird, not just watching a football game, Mm -hmm. because it's been, what, years, plural, since the CFL has been back on the field. But to see that many people in a Canadian Mm -hmm. venue... Uh, especially when we've been watching the Olympics, the biggest sporting event on the planet with no fans in the stands. Uh, It certainly had its interesting viewpoint for sure.
2: Yeah, we'll get a little bit more into that as the show goes on. Calgary, of course, we'll leave you in the fourth hour of our show, but I do want to promote this because uh, bittersweet, I think, guests that we have coming up in the 12 o'clock hour in Vancouver. Uh, Calgary, if you want to jump in, 1 o'clock hour, you can listen as well online. It's Alex Edler. And I'm going to introduce Alex Edler as L.A. King's defenseman, Alex Edler. And it's going to be weird probably for him to still hear that and actually be introduced as that because for his entire career, he has been Vancouver Canucks defenseman Alex Edler. So we'll talk about that. Maybe give him a little ribbing about what just happened in the Olympics as well. You yep. know, Alex is a big soccer fan, so he was probably a football fan for probably him. But uh, he was probably up in Sweden watching that match, obviously. So we'll throw a little, you know friendly natured friendly jab his way yeah
1: you know i mean an absolute warrior for the canucks organization for the better part of 15 seasons Mm -hmm. and now he's got a new home to play at least for a full season down in la should by the way mention because this will be the first time he's talking on air in the vancouver market since he signed with la uh check it out on sportsnet.ca our own ian mcintyre uh caught up with edler uh prior to us getting to have a chance to connect with him uh some interesting insight as to why edler made the decision he did uh and we should also let our listeners in calgary know that it's Mm -hmm. not just one defenseman that's leaving one canadian organization to go south uh longtime flames fan and captain uh fan favorite excuse me and captain mark giordano he's going to be on uh, Sportsnet, the Fan 960 at 2 o'clock Mountain Time. Pat Steinberg and Will not are going to have Perfect. Giordano on. And if I'm not mistaken, that's the first time he's talking in that market. Uh, since signing with the Seattle Kraken. So a Uh, lot
2: of long-time, two long-term players, long-time players for the organization's Warriors, Stalwarts, one's a captain, one is probably going to go up in the Ring of Honor. I don't want to have that conversation right now, but still just two incredible NHL players coming towards the end of their careers, but deciding, well, one was picked up by another team, but one deciding to move on to another organization. So Alex Edler will be on 650. Mark Giordano will be on 960 in Calgary. Logistics out of the way, Joey. (laughs) These Olympics up until today have been pretty incredible. I mean, we have to talk about that. All eyes, though, this morning were on the fact that like 5 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Mountain Time, Canada was taking on Sweden in the women's gold medal game. Now, if you haven't seen the match or you're PVRing it and you don't want to know the outcome, you probably know from Joey and I's (laughs) excitement what happened. But I'll give you the spoiler alert. We're going to go through what happened exactly right now. To start the match, I don't know about you, Joey, but Sweden came out pretty, let's say, on the front foot. Canada looked a little shell-shocked, or maybe just a little bit. That was what Sweden's goal was. The first 10 minutes was basically all Sweden.
1: Yeah, I mean, it came as advertised, to be honest. A lot Mm -hmm. of people didn't in this country want to hear it, but Canada was the underdog going into today's game. And And that's probably not joyful news if you're a Canadian fan, seeing the roller coaster ride they've had on, not only through the preliminaries, but then into the knockout stage mm-hmm. uh, when they were able to win in a shootout and then eventually eliminate the States uh, that way. So going in, yeah, I, I wasn't surprised that Sweden was, as you say, on the front foot and probably a little unlucky not to have been mm-hmm. rewarded more for their efforts than what they were through the first 45 minutes.
2: It, it was almost like a little bit what we've seen from Canada so far. It's been Bay defense and out for Canada. And that's kind of what it was to start the match. Uh, Canada found their legs a little bit more, but they were not just very polished in the final third when they did get it into the final third. And then Sweden forces a Canadian turnover in midfield, which leads to a Swedish goal in the 34th minute. It was a well-earned goal for Sweden. You could probably say a well-deserved, if not late well-deserved goal because they had been pushing against Canada. So they take the 1-0 lead at the half. And then Bev Priestman makes a couple of tactical changes for Canada heading into the second half. They got a score goal. Right. Like this is what you're down one nil. You have to score a goal to at least send it to extra time. She gets in Julia Grosso. She's 20 years old from Vancouver. She's in for Quinn Adriana Leon. She's in for Janine Becky, which at the time I questioned a little bit, especially with Becky. She I mean, she's so important to this Canadian side, but she did have a yellow card on her. And if she was to pick up another one in the second half, you're down to 10 men. So I'm thinking maybe because of, yes, Leon has a little bit more attacking style to her game, but still, if Becky, you know, a dangerous challenge or whatever the case is, she could be sent off and Canada's screwed.
1: And let's also remember, and I know it's, if you were watching on television at the time, it might not have come across this way, but even though they switched that game from a day game to a night game. Mm -hmm. Um, it was still brutally humid at field level. And the fact that Canada, who's playing catch up, put on some fresh legs to start the second half and Sweden didn't, mm-hmm. I think that was to Canada's advantage. And it proved to pay off in a big way as the second half rolled along.
2: Yeah, they did. Canada did have a lot of push in the to start the second half. It kind of evened out a little bit. And I have to say this. I don't think I've ever said this in my life, Joey. God bless VAR and God bless Jesse Fleming. 64th this minute, Christine Sinclair is taken down in the box. The ref wanted nothing to do with it in real time. Like, she was like, nope, play on. But she gets the call from the VAR referee. They wanted her to look at it, so she goes, looks at it, comes back, and calls a penalty because the Swedish player did go through the back of Sinclair before getting the ball. So it's a penalty kick. And just like against the U.S., Christine Sinclair Sinclair picks the ball up. Doesn't take the shot this time, though. Again. Just like against the U.S., she hands the ball to Jesse Fleming. Now, were you surprised at that? This time I was.
1: Yeah, me
2: I, too. I think I was against the U.S., but she was also coming off a miss PK against Brazil. So you could understand, you know what, Fleming's done it before, but Fleming has missed before in key situations um, because Christine's given her the ball and she's missed. But I think with Christine it was, look, she just made one. Let's give her the confidence. She has the confidence knowing in going in to know that I can make these. And Sinclair still is coming off one that she missed. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we, we always just assume Christine Sinclair is going to make these kicks, right? Take them and make them. But I think this is an understanding that she's maybe not the best person to take these right now for this Canadian national And we
1: game. don't know, and, and maybe we'll find out afterwards from head coach Bev Priestman, if the situation is in-match, in-game, mm-hmm. if there's a PK... If Fleming's on the field, she takes it. Right. And you know who may also make that decision? Christine Sinclair. They may say, Chris, we want you to take it. She may say, Maybe not right now. I've done it enough for my team. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just not feeling it. We might not ever get an answer to that. Didn't matter, though, did it?
2: No, it didn't. And <laughs> honestly, the best part about this uh, kick was the fact that the Swedish keeper guessed the way that Jesse Fleming kicked against the United States in that goal that went in. The same way, actually, that the American keeper uh, guessed as well. But Fleming just put a perfect shot in the post for that one. She goes the other direction. Yeah. And she scores with ease. Uh, I think she is just, she steps up there joey and she is just she's just confident
1: yeah high pressure situation when you think about it and for soccer fans they'll hear this and they'll go holy smokes if you're a general sports fan you might not say well this is that might not sound like a big deal but she's just the third player in canada's women's team's history to have scored a penalty kick in back-to-back matches now you think about that over the stages of this women's program christine sinclair was the last person to do it in 2012 Mm -hmm. okay first person to do it was charmaine hooper Way back, back in the infancy of the program when they started to make a name for themselves on the international stage. Big situation, uh, big gutsy situation, and uh, Jesse Fleming rose to the occasion with relative ease.
2: Talk about gutsy again by Bev Friesman. 85th minute, she subs out Christine Sinclair for Jordan Heidema. You're thinking to yourself, okay, well if this does come down to penalty kicks, you have now Christine Sinclair the greatest goal scorer in international soccer history, men or women sitting on the bench. But what I think came down to this, again, fresh legs with Jordan Heidemann. You had mentioned how hot it was there. And to, for Christine Sinclair to get to penalty kicks, she'd have to play another 30 minutes That's at right. least on the pitch. And at the age of 38, no offense to her, obviously it wasn't in Bev Priestman's plan. You know what? That's not fair to say. I was going to say maybe it wasn't her plan to use Christine Sinclair in the penalty kicks, if it had, say, gotten there, but it just was one of those things where let's put on some fresh legs and maybe try and score before it gets to that situation.
1: And here's the other thing, too, and I don't know this for fact, but I'm almost 100% certain that since Christine Sinclair has been a member of our national women's program, whenever Canada has played a game that's required a shootout, she's been a part of it.
2: So it's to be, like, the only one.
1: The only time on the international stage that your captain and, as you mentioned, FIFA's all-time record goal scorer wouldn't be involved in a penalty shootout for her country. That is a big, big talking point. And to your point, Karen, yeah, maybe the heat. And we don't know. We didn't have the cameras. We weren't there to see it live outside of just watching it on a screen. Maybe she put her hand up and said... Coach, take me out. Right. We don't know. And maybe we'll find a We're hopefully going to get reaction from Christine Sinclair uh, coming in from Yokohama later uh, in our show. But uh, I... Uh,
2: Remember I, when she came out against the U.S.? She had a bit of a calf issue, it looked like, too. Yeah, maybe she's so not maybe at 100% exactly. health. Right? So... Anyways, uh, goes to extras. Nervy chances on both sides. I have to admit this before I talk about the PKs. <laughs> I, today is the first day I've been in studio in eight weeks. 18 weeks I've been working from home mm-hmm. right so I decide today's the day I'm going to come in I said to you yesterday Joey I said the one thing I don't want to happen because the timing of all of this I don't want it to go to extras penalty kicks because I'm going to have to drive in during this God bless apps and being able to stream a live television feed from your app to your audio of your car because I listened to the entire extra time in my drive-in it's about a 45 minute drive-in
1: hands-free of course
2: well, yeah, it's connected via, like, my <laughs> yes. my iPhone connector. Yes, USB absolutely. App. I had, I will say, like, I had my phone turned down, so I couldn't see any, like, visual Perfect. of the corner of my eye. You're, I was very safe you're about You're checking
1: this. all the boxes here. Yeah. Very good.
2: So I get into the studio just in time to see the PKs. So God bless technology uh, these days. In the penalty kick, Sweden misses on their first kick. Jessie Fleming, again, pressure situation. She is incredible. She makes her first, uh, the first kick for Canada. They take the technically lead at this point, Joey, because they were kicking second. I'm going to go quickly. Sweden makes, Canada misses. Sweden makes, Canada misses. So it's 2-1 Sweden at this point. Then Sweden misses, so it's still 2-1. Canada steps up, misses again. So Sweden can win the gold medal on their fifth kick, but the athlete, the player from Sweden misses again. It's not a save by Labbe at this point. It's an actual full-out miss by the Swedish player. So up steps Dion Rose to keep it alive. She nails it. We're off to sudden death kicks. Steph Labe, she has been incredible on in penalty kicks in this tournament. She saved two key ones down the stretch against Brazil. She steps up. She guesses right, makes the save. So it's up to 20-year-old Julia Grosso from Vancouver to win it for Canada. <laughs> or we're continuing on to sudden death. And the Swedish kicker actually gets, she guesses right, she dives right, because it was on the ground, the kick. She gets it with her bottom hand but she deflects it into the top corner. Canada wins, and yeah. we have gold medal in women's soccer.
1: That's a great recap, Karen. And for those of you who are listening that didn't see it, it's a perfect illustration of what could have happened if the Swedish goalkeeper actually used both arms to try to make the save. She actually, actually reaches out with, I think, her right arm. When diving to her right, that's her lower arm. Yeah. She doesn't extend with both arms. If she does, that's a relatively easy save.
2: It's but dead. the Canadians
1: don't care. No,
2: nope, they don't care. don't
1: care at all. What a moment! What an absolute firecracker of a moment for our country's soccer program and for sports in Canada, because it's been a long, long wait for this program, which has only been on the rise the mm-hmm. last couple of decades, to finally get to the top of the mountain.
2: So you've got Beijing eighth in two thousand eight. You've got London bronze. Heartbreak against the U.S. in the semifinals. We all know about that. In two thousand twelve, Rio bronze as well. Their motto going in was change the color. We knew they were changing it going into this game. Mission accomplished. Obviously, the next mission was redemption from the 2019 quarterfinals World Cup where Sweden knocked them out. They win gold in Tokyo. Before we get to the accomplishments of Christine Sinclair, think about this for Canada. The kickers. Jesse Fleming, 23. Ashley Lawrence, 26. Vanessa Giles, 19 years old. Doesn't matter if they make or miss these. I'm just talking about the people that Bev Priestman is relying on for these kicks in this gold medal game. Adriana Leon, 28. So she's a bit of an elder statesman on the team. Deanne Rose, 22. Julia Grosso, 20. The three kickers, Fleming, Rose, and Grosso, who all scored for Canada, 23 and under.
1: Yeah, it's uh, the future is the present. Yep. And we've also seen uh, the greatest player in our country's soccer history um, passed the torch, to use an Olympic phrase. Uh, she wasn't out there, and, and anybody watching this game before it started, if you would have been asked, hey, this game between <laughs> Canada and Sweden is going to penalty kicks, uh, how much are you putting on Christine Sinclair being one of the five shooters? Yeah. A lot of people would have bet their mortgage.
2: Yeah, exactly, because it's, it's obvious.
1: Right, but she wasn't there. A couple of the older players on that team that have been a part of medal winners in the past for Canada weren't in the penalty shootout either uh that's a a wise decision I think from Bev Priestman and the coaching staff to be able to put those players hey listen that's a that's a high pressure situation that those athletes may never ever experience again in their careers ever
2: we were speaking with John Molinaro who's covering um, he works with uh, TFC and or works covering TFC and is writing for sportsnet.ca on our show yesterday and he said Bev Priestman has made some really bold decisions with this team in her very young tenure. Yep. I mean, she just took over January 2020, 2020, I think. But it's been a very short period of time that she's taken over. She left off some very key names for this Olympic squad. Now, they are over there, but they're not on the active roster. Mm-hmm. Sophie Schmidt wasn't on the—she was a reserve going over. Aaron McLeod was a reserve going over. Even Jordan Heidema, who's— Again, she has now been put on the active roster, but initially she was left off. Like, she made some moves that in the past you would have been, what? Or at least a manager never would have made. The decisions she made in this game paid off. The decisions she's made overall have paid off. Uh, she's the only female coach in the Final Four of these Olympics, so kudos to her. She's also the youngest coach, I believe, in this tournament. Uh, it's just incredible what she has been able to do short time with this program, 303 international caps now for Christine Sinclair. She finally gets to stand atop the podium. Jesse Fleming was the one who put it around her neck, Uh, the medal, you know, because they can't actually have the actual people do it because of COVID issues. I got emotional watching it. Her teammates, you could see, were all basically standing, staring at this moment and clapping with their hands above their head because they know how important a moment this was for Christine Sinclair. She didn't need it, Joey. She didn't need it for her legacy. We know exactly what her legacy is. She is gonna go down as one of the, if not the greatest football player, not just of Canada, but of all time. Like she's in the conversation yeah. up there. We'll talk about Messi, talk about Ronaldo. I don't care. She's the most she scored the most goals internationally. What she has meant for this country, she didn't need to be Olympic champion. But the fact that she is at thirty eight years old, when we don't know how many more times we're gonna see her, if ever, for Canada in a situation like this, World Cup Olympics. It's just it's cherry on top.
1: It is. And let's be honest, the program isn't where it is atop the metal podium today without her. And that's saying something As in theory today
0: mm-hmm.
1: on the day they didn't need her to get to the top of the podium. But they never get to this stage without the journey that she's led this country on. We're talking about when she came on as a young teenager onto the international stage uh, in Edmonton at the World Under-19s, and I think she was only 15 or 16 at that time. And all of a sudden, people are going, whoa, who is this kid from Burnaby? And then it just progresses and she's been so dominant so classy and I think that this gold medal victory today it's a team event but it's a gold medal for an individual that rubber stamps her legacy as one of Canada's greatest all-time athletes it's one thing to say it about the sport Mm -hmm. on the international stage but in a country where there's been unbelievable athletic achievements in all sports And I'm considering the likes of Wayne Gretzky Mm -hmm. in hockey, Donovan Bailey, and now Andre DeGrasse in track and field, and now Christine Sinclair, three-time Olympic medal winner but gold medal champion to go along with the highest scorer in your sports history. Yeah, put her on the Mount Rushmore of Canadian athletes as far as I'm concerned.
2: This tweet right here, I think, epitomizes what Christine Sinclair means to the world of soccer. Abby Wambach, who Christine Sinclair passed. Believe last year uh, to be the all time goal scorer internationally because Abby Wambach the American incredible striker for many years, she held that and Christine Pastor. And obviously, they played against each other, they know each other very well. I think there's a very huge admiration for both for each other. But she tweeted out this was before the penalty kicks. She's like, I want this for at Cincy 12, I want this for Christine Sinclair. That's coming from an American who Canada just beat the Americans. Yep. I know Abby Womack wasn't on that team, but still, uh, I think that just kind of epitomizes what Christine Sinclair is. Well, the
1: respect factor yes. too, right? Yeah. Hey, oh. She 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 deserves it. That entire team deserves it because there were so many great clutch performances, not only today, but right from the get-go when they opened up the tournament against the host Japan squad. Mm-hmm. Remember, that was not a great game. And people were there wondering, be- where Canada, is this a repeat of what's happened in the past? They had a great attitude throughout this tournament where if they faced any adversity, it was park it mm-hmm. and move on. And that included today when they were down 1-0, going into the break, park it, move on. Congratulations. That's as good a team performance as we've ever seen at an Olympic Games for Canada.
2: There were some other medals won today because we have three Three to talk about again. We'll get into that on the other side. Again, we want you to text in. There's been a ton of texts coming in already to the 650, 650, and 960, 960 text message inbox. But let us know. Like, w- did you get up early to watch it? Did, how did you enjoy the game? Were you as nervous as I was <laughs> watching Julia Greco uh, get up there and make that? uh make that kick it was an incredible scene we're going to continue to talk about it throughout the show we'll also let you know what else happened in the olympics but up next we're going to speak with and we'll talk olympics with him as well oh
1: he better he better be able to talk about olympics he would have been up bright and early as well
2: just like us I, I, lucky thing for them calgary peter peter lavordias is who we're going to talk to with sports that's 960 in calgary they got a little bit hours more sleep in. Mine yeah. went off at the 4 o'clock hour, my alarm. <laughs> <laughs> Joey. Anyways, this is Rintoul and Sermon with Joey Kenward in for Scott Rintoul.
0: Now back to
1: Rintoul and Sermon.
2: Rintoul and Sermon, Karen Sermon, Joey Kenward in for a vacationing. Scott Rintoul this morning. Greg, I thought we made a pact that we're going to play the Canadian National Anthem every time we came in from commercial.
1: I don't mind that. I don't mind the beat from... Jay Z on a date because hey, you and I might have ninety nine problems, but a gold medal ain't one. <laughs> oh, <Joey>. Drop it, <sighs> drop the mic.
2: Oh goodness, that's I'll give you credit for that one. It's cheesy, but it's good. I like it. I like it. (laughs) Uh, This text comes in. All our girls were studs today. Sorry, this is on Twitter. All our girls were studs today. The second half substitutions profoundly improved ball possession control and goal opportunities. An epic reward to Christine Sinclair and Stephanie Labe, if indeed this is their last dance. In brackets, hoping not. Gotta point out, Stephanie Labe is 34. But I also want to make a quick mention because she doesn't get a lot of... (laughs) She plays a role of a stalwart in the midfield. And she doesn't get a lot of praise for her play, but she's very just consistent for Team Canada. And that's Desiree Scott. And she's from Winnipeg, so she's my homegirl. But she's played 167 caps as well for Team Canada. And she's in her late 30s as well, mid-30s. So three key players. She's been a key player with Christine Sinclair basically for the last three Olympics along the way. Her and Christine Sinclair were the only ones on the active roster for this Team Canada that were in the active played for in the London games. So it's changing the guard, but I want to give a shout-out to her because she doesn't get a lot of praise.
1: Hey, she's been an absolute... just a, a workhorse for Canada mm-hmm. on the international stage, and not just at the Olympics, like when it's been uh, at the World Cup. Yep. Um, you know, this might be the final time that she dons a Team Canada uniform. And you're right, she doesn't get nearly the hype, doesn't get nearly the... The talk on media that the likes of Sinclair or La Bay would get, mm-hmm. but, you know, a quiet, quiet performer. And you need those in a sport like soccer when a player like her, it's not necessarily think offense first. Like she's been a real rock for mm-hmm. our national women's program and uh, well deserving to get her third Olympic medal this morning, this time being gold.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, we're going to get your text a little bit later on in the show because we have Peter Labarius coming up here shortly. But I do want to get into this because we won two more medals today, actually. Uh, the 50-kilometer speed walking Evan Dunphy aven- avenges his fourth-place finish from Rio. He gets the bronze. The men's 4 by 100 meter relay, Andre de on the final leg, another incredible final leg from him. Canada gets the bronze medal. And in the men's 5,000-meter race, Mohamed wins silver. He had an incredible—we're going to talk about this a little bit longer.
0: Oh, our guest will be talking about it. Trust me. Hey, Peter, how are you? I am wonderful, Karen and Joey. Uh, I'm uh, in a great, great, great frame of mind today. In fact, I don't know if I could be uh, much happier thanks to— The incredible performance by Stephanie LeBay and Christine Sinclair and the rest of our women's soccer team. uh, That's one that's going to stay with me for a long, long, long time. And frankly, didn't see it coming.
2: Well, and that's the thing too, when coming into this match, Peter... It was like, okay, you finally, you wanted to change the color. And that was going to happen no matter what. That was one goal checked off the box, right? You beat the Americans. That's another goal checked off the box. And it's not like silver would have been... My, my my thinking going in was, would Canada be okay? We've done these two things. Is there a little bit of maybe lag in their performance because we have done those two things? And yeah, gold would be absolutely phenomenal. But we kind of accomplished two of the three goals that we had in
0: place. It's, it's very, very true. And, and listen, in beating both the Americans and the Swedes and the Brazilians, for that matter, um, you know, I, I was just so impressed. They were the underdogs, in my opinion, in certainly their last two games. The opposition on both fronts, very, very talented had possession for a great deal of time, had the better scoring chances in both games. But Canada, you know, a couple of key penalties made it all happen, one against the U.S. in the semi, and, you know, Jesse Fleming again after Christine Sinclair draws the foul and our new best friend, VAR. I'm going to need to find something else that that stands for. Maybe it's VR, VAR gold. At least it feels that way today. Um, and you need some good fortune too. So just, uh, you know, I just, I, I guess Karen for me and, you know, Joey's known me for a long time. Um, I, I love my country. There's nothing that fuels the fire for me than team sports played by the red and white. And, you know, where I went back to very quickly today was a, a really special sporting event that I attended was, world under 19 soccer championship in edmonton in 2001 and christine sinclair was i was really kind of her coming out party we lost to the united states in the final i was lucky enough to be at that game and their incredible semi-final victory over brazil at commonwealth and it really captured the country and and i think it was the launching point really in many ways for canada john herdman came in did a wonderful job um this is the culmination to me of 20 years of great work and it's awesome and what really excites me too there is nothing like winning for your program and for you know the next wave and all the young girls in our country that are going to get an opportunity now to be excited about that potential so that that's it's it's so exciting when these things happen, not just today, but but it'll have such a, a wonderful effect going forward, too.
1: P- Peter, one other item before we move on in our conversation. We've got a lot to get to in a short period of time, but you mentioned Christine Sinclair. She's going to go down, even if this isn't her last game uh, on the international stage for Canada. She's really cemented her legacy now as one of Canada's greatest athletes Of all time, not just soccer players, one of Canada's greatest athletes of all time. And I think it says something about the soccer program and to where it's come over the last even 10 to 15 years where the team winds up winning the biggest prize they've ever won. And she isn't in the biggest moment that clinches it. I think that might have been the first time she's played for Canada when they've gone to penalty kicks and she is not a part of the shootout. No, it's, it's a big game where she gets subbed off. And that very yeah. rarely has happened in her career. Not only does so, it cement the legacy for her, it also, I think, sent you know cements the legacy for for one of the fastest growing sports programs our country has ever seen.
0: Oh, I don't think there's any question. And, and Joey, you're right. In, in an odd sort of way, today, you know, when she gets subbed out for a new young star in Jordan Heidema, who I thought, you know, really handered, handled herself well in the closing minutes and in the extra time. You know, it, in so many ways, today, I think, is the passing of the guard, too. The passing of the torch For to, sure. to the next group and to be able to do it in that way. I think your point is, is a fabulous one because who would have ever imagined in the history of the program in recent years, Canada doing that without Christine Sinclair, you know, She didn't play the last 35, 40 minutes of the shootout, and who would have ever seen that coming? If that was to happen, you'd probably think the result wasn't going to be good, not that it was going to end up being the greatest result in the sport in this country's history. I repeat, the greatest moment for the sport in this country's history.
2: Gives, it gives me chills just keeping to hear that over and over and over. It was an incredible moment. But, Peter, did your remote get a workout? Because Mohamed, in the 5,000-meter, won silver early on when this was happening. Then Andre de Grasse, I believe it timed out perfectly with the end of regulation, yeah. was it? That the 4x100-meter men's uh, relay was on, and de Grasse and his teammates – get bronze medal also there was a 1500 meter race going on that we had an athlete finish in uh, fifth and actually ran an incredible race but we had an incredible gold medal game Peter but I think this speaks to what these Olympics have been we also won two other medals on the track while this was happening
0: yeah it's true you asked me about about uh my remote getting a workout today I called the doctor for Tommy John that's (laughs) that's that is how uh, my remote has gotten to work out in the last couple of weeks not to mention I got to go visit the sleep doctor too because it would be nice to get more than about three hours a day would right? be uh, awesome at some point but no um, you know some incredible performances and you know I'd be the first to admit that for me you know team sports whatever float my boat whatever you want to say it's always been Um, you know, the greatest thing. But, you know, think about this, too, in these Olympics. I love the fact, you know what I always hope for, Karen, in these situations? I hope for more carryover, Mm -hmm. where it's not just for two weeks, that, you know, we start as a nation to pay a little bit more attention to people that just give so, so much to our country that, frankly, very few people know until... Mm -hmm. you know, a couple of weeks, every four years. And um, I had the opportunity the other night, I was lucky enough, softball has been a massive part of my life going back to my childhood. Um, And I called the Women's Olympic Qualifying Tournament in Surrey a couple of years ago. And it's funny, I went to my good friend Sam Cosentino's son's baseball game the other day. And there was Jenna Kyra uh, watching her niece. So had a great visit with her. And and one of the things that I think is so important and and maybe more so on the women's side than even on the men's side is, is sometimes we just have no idea the sacrifice, the commitment, the determination, you know, women quitting jobs, um, you know, leaving their families, pretty special stuff. It, It really is. So to see those things happen like this morning, the the, gold, the bronze medal for the softball team. And guess what else? Damian Warner. Oh, yeah. You could make a pretty strong argument that Canada lays claim to the world's greatest athlete. And, Joe, just because it's you, it's not Mike Sharp, the rambling <laughs> wreck from Georgia Tech.
1: The self-proclaimed... Stronger, yeah. the Canada's greatest athlete of all time, uh, the late no. uh, professional wrestler. Peter Lubardius from uh, Sportsnet, the Fan 960 in Calgary. Flames uh, color analyst joining uh, myself, Joey Kenward, and Karen Sermon here. Um, does this go down? And we're going to switch to Flames talk in just a moment. But sure. is it safe to say, and I know there's a few days left, and there's been some unbelievable moments in games gone by, but is this the greatest Summer Olympics in our
0: country's history? Oof, that's a great question. Um, whew, that's, uh, you know what, Joe? Those I think those things are always hard to compare. Um, but obviously our conversation is, has focused on, you know, some wonderful accomplishments and some wonderful achievements, things that we've never seen before in our country's history. So uh, I will say this. They're definitely going to leave A big big mark in you know in the Summer Olympics which everybody knows our prowess in the winter time but yeah you could probably make a pretty strong argument for the question that you just asked.
2: Peter later on on 960 in Calgary at 2 o'clock Mountain Time Mark Giordano is gonna speak Mm -hmm. for the first time on the big show. You covered him for a very long time, probably know him pretty well, had a lot of interactions with him. Mm-hmm. For you personally, just what was it like seeing him be selected and then just the acknowledgement that it's not going to be him in
0: a Flames uniform next season? You, you know, Karen, it's, it's one of those things that I think until I see it a couple of times, it's probably not going to feel real. Um, you know, I make no bones about it, and I've seen – you know, almost all of of Mark's career with my own two eyes. And I vividly remember watching him when I was doing television at Sportsnet and, and a great deal at junior hockey. I remember watching him for the first time as a, a 19-year-old rookie in the OHL play a game in Owen Sound. And um, I've said this many times. I, I think he's one of the great individual stories in terms of sports that I've ever had the pleasure to watch i 'm not sure i've ever seen an athlete get more out of his ability uh he's never once left me wanting more in terms of effort commitment uh you know desire it, he he in every way shape or form, even though it didn't work out for him um you know he's a Calgary flame through and through, and I think there's always going to be a big I know there's always going to be a huge part, and there's going to be a part of him that you know, probably feels a little empty about the fact that there was limited playoff success during his time. But, uh, you know, I I wouldn't say this about everybody, but I would say this about Mark. It's it's been a privilege. It's been an honor. He's a class person, um, treats everybody with respect. Um, He's beloved by teammates and, and a fan base. And so, Karen, to sum it up, it's, it's going to be it's going to be surreal but in some ways I think at a certain point in time um, you know I, I think as hard as it's I'm sure it's been incredibly difficult for Mark I'm excited for him to, to have a different challenge and a new challenge and and I think Seattle's very lucky to have him and on the Calgary side of the coin they're gonna miss him greatly but you know sometimes maybe you need something just, Fresh and different, and an opportunity for some of your younger people to, you know, be put in more of the leadership role. So, yeah, it's 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 not great to think about, but hmm. I'm I just uh, it, like I said, it's been an honor to watch him go about his business.
2: One player that maybe myself and I don't know about yourself. Uh, but- Flames fans might be surprised that he's still in a Flames uniform, is the fact that Johnny Goudreau is still a member of the Calgary Flames. He's entering the final year of his deal, and when an extension wasn't signed prior to July 28th, it gave Johnny a lot more power in this final mm-hmm. year. He's got his five only a five-team move clause. Not a five-team no-move. It's a five-team move clause five teams he would go to if there was a potential trade so that obviously leads me to believe that there are contract talks between the two sides do you feel a deal has to be done before opening night to make this not a distraction going forward
0: Mm, mm, no i don't um i i think what's really really important is you know, it's a big, big decision for the Calgary Flames and for Johnny Gaudreau, and and that is if you're going to extend him, and it's going to be a long-term situation. I think, Karen, everything needs to be right—the terms, the time. Um, you know, this 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 is a really, really big decision for this hockey team. So, yes, um, completely understand that now. If if Johnny decides he wants to go in a different direction, that you're a little bit more hamstrung. But even with that date, Karen's slipping by and, and things that I've heard, it won't shock me if they find a new deal for him and a new deal for him prior to the start of, you know, in the Flames case, opening night on October the 16th.
1: Peter, I'm not sure if you saw this while we've been talking, uh Fan 960's nope. own Pat Steinberg reporting that the Flames have signed uh restricted free agent forwards Matthew Phillips and Luke Philp to one-year two-way contracts respectively, both of them getting the same money, 750 uh, on an AAV uh two players that you and I have watched for a long time starting mm-hmm. with their playing days in in the WHL um your reaction to those signings probably not at all surprising considering the team uh has, I think been pretty impressed with their development since coming out of the Western Hockey League
0: and and Joe because you've seen that I haven't are those one year two-way deals?
1: correct yes
0: yeah yeah well that um so you know Matthew Phillips who has been one of my favorite little guys to watch go about his business through under 17 play in Calgary with the Buffaloes and a great junior career and number of years, uh, as a pro, you know, for a guy his size and and he is tiny, he's not small, he's tiny. Um, I'm not surprised that they extended. And as far as Luke Phillip, who not only had an excellent career, in the Western Hockey League, also, you know, did some wonderful work at the University of Alberta with the Golden Bears, and I watched him, Joey, last year probably six times in person, and I thought game in and game out, he was one of the best players for the Stockton Heat in their shortened season. So on both accounts, I'm not surprised. And, And plus, you know, the thing that fans sometimes I don't, think quite understand is there is great value in having quality people in your organization meaning these guys are are good players they're good people um you know they're gonna be good leaders for people in stockton and trying to grow you know your young prospects so those are always, I think, underlying things that really matter and really help your group. Whether you know it means they're going to spend a lot of time at the NHL level or not.
1: Peter Lombardi is from Fan 960, the longtime color analyst for the Calgary Flames, joining us here for a few more moments. Um, you know, it's really interesting now as we, you know, if you look at the calendar, Peter, what is it? seven weeks until training camp yeah it's, it's coming right up yeah. um what are you expecting flames fans to expect out of management here over the next little while i know we talked about johnny goudreau and whether or not they lock him up long term is there is it pretty much just housekeeping items or or could you foresee maybe a surprise or two coming out of no, uh, I- brad tree living and company here before camp
0: it would seem it would seem odd, Joe, just on Brad's track record, that if something, you know, fairly substantial hasn't happened by now, that it wouldn't be more house cleaning than anything else. But would I be stunned or surprised? No. No, I wouldn't. I, I still think there's there's an opportunity for the team to be involved potentially in a bit of a significant deal now in Calgary, I think the overriding story is, you know, they made a lot of coaching changes and, you know, Daryl Sutter came in um, partway through the year and, you know, they have had nothing but difficult conversations about where they're trying to go next, who they want to go forward with. And, you know, I think Daryl's going to have a pretty significant say in what he thinks this current group of Flames is capable of. So I don't know if that answers your question completely or not, but uh, housekeeping wouldn't surprise me. And I I wouldn't be shocked if, if certain things can't get done if you're not in the market to make a deal.
2: Hey, Peter, thanks so much for joining us today. Enjoy the, I guess, seven weeks left of your vacation, <laughs> summer, whatever it is, uh, in Calgary. Are you um, going to be taking in any, I don't know if fans are allowed, the Women's World Hockey Championship?
0: Well, it, it is, it, it's definitely in my plan. Karen, okay. I spend my off-season actually in Ontario, in oh, okay. Chicago, where my wife is. So um, that that is in the plan. We've had... Uh, we've had a bit of a tough summer my father-in-law just passed away oh, on the weekend so um we'll we'll see but I, let's put it this way if you're walking around Windsport between the 20th of august and the 31st and you run into me i wouldn't be shocked
1: yeah shocker shocker <laughs> hey get <laughs> get some sleep will you because it's been a relatively quiet morning for sports fans in this country yeah especially it's, you It's
0: been absolutely no fun at all <laughs> you know what i'll leave you this quickly i know you got to run our poor dog after the shootout, I think she's still shaking. Somewhere <laughs> oh, around it's here. like fireworks, right? <laughs> oh, the poor thing. Yeah, shock. So sho- bad for her. Shocker. Yeah, okay, sure. Okay, guys, have a great weekend. <laughs> Thanks, All the Peter. Best. Thanks, Peter.
2: That is Peter Labardi with the Sportsnet 960 in Calgary. Um, we'll I challenge
1: ahead. you to find anybody that loves Canadian sports more than him. He's a hockey guy through and through. He's race. done broadcasts for all sports, including... He's done soccer broadcasts you, yeah. for a national... i like...
2: take your word for it. Oh, yeah. No. I, that's actually the first time I've spoken with Peter. A uh, couple of interactions on Twitter, but the first time I've ever had a chance to speak with him. We've got some news coming in on the other side. I'm not going to exactly call it breaking news, but significant news that could... Affect some sports events coming up this weekend. I'm going to tell you what okay. it is next. You're listening to Rintoul and Sermon with Joey Kenward in for Scott Rintoul on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: You're listening to Rintoul and Sermon.
2: Okay, well, Greg's obviously not going to play the national anthem every time we come in. That's fine, but he did pick maybe every song will have gold somewhere in it. This is Gold on the Ceiling by the Black Keys. Good pull by Greg because Canada's gold medalist again today, Joey.
1: Yeah, sometimes a blind squirrel finds a nut, and the guy with the quarter in the jukebox just hit it out of the park. Good job! I think every song coming in and out will have a little bit of uh, like gold flavor to it. Um, yeah, what a morning! What a morning for Canada sports! Not one, not two, so, but three medal podium finishes, including gold for Canada's women's soccer team.
2: He's on vacation. I doubt he's listening. So I'm not. I have no problem. Throwing him under the bus, but <laughs> Jamie. So, I will say this: I did not wake up at 1 a.m. or stay up at 1 a.m. to watch that semifinal game against the U.S. I had just come back from vacation, right? A week in the and You know what happens when you go on vacation for a week? You put your body through a heck of a lot of things, and so I was tired. I had to go to bed, and I did wake up though because my alarm generally goes off at five o'clock, 5:30 in the morning. You know, we watch Andre De Grasse race for the men's two hundred meter. I wanted to make sure at five forty yesterday in the morning, this is Pacific time zone, uh, that I watched uh, Damian Warner run the final leg, the fifteen hundred meter. So I got up a little early to watch that. I actually, watched it in bed. And Jamie said to me today, he's like, "I'm on vacation. I'm not getting up to watch this game."
1: <laughs> I'm like
2: he's just not a true Canadian, I don't think.
1: Yeah, that's soft. That's really, really soft. Holiday or not. Now imagine. The majority of us were expecting today's soccer match to be played last night. Yes, at seven p.m. Which would have been perfect. Time, which would have been great. Can you imagine Prime time? Oh, and the way the game played itself out, uh, it would have been tough waking up the next day. Uh, but now, all of a sudden, it's kind of that forced programming. Your body, like I, like you, had to get up bright and early today. But for whatever reason, the body woke up before the alarm clock. Went okay, off. so I was able to see canada kick off against sweden i was able to see mo ahmed put on the afterburners yeah. and win a bronze medal uh sorry excuse me silver, silver medal in the men's 5000 uh event and then you also when you're watching the soccer game have a chance conveniently at the full-time break to watch was it
2: full-time or halftime i'm trying to figure this out
1: no it was full-time was it full-time okay. yeah so it it, it regards perfect yes. timing yeah for sports fans around the world, if you're watching both events, to be able to see them uh, cross over one after the other. And then, I mean, hey, Andre DeGrasse, and we're going to hear from him later on this hour, uh, sets a Canadian Olympic record for uh, male athletes as mm-hmm. far as consecutive trips to the podium. Mm-hmm. In back-to-back Olympics, what a run by him uh, to have the anchor leg to help Canada claim a bronze in the four-by-one-hundred-meter event. And the finish to that event, good thing for Canada. How about difference between gold and silver?
2: Was it like one-one-thousandth?
1: One-one-hundredth of a second as Italy got by great britain
2: and great britain had the lead until the end like it was yeah. italy who nosed by and great britain was devastated like if you go back and watch this race they were gutted after because yeah. they had the lead basically for the entire um for the entire at least third and fourth legs and italy who apparently is coming on as a sprinting powerhouse they win gold in the men's 100 meter i had never heard of the sprinter before I, you know you mm-hmm. know the American names, yep. but you just, I'd never heard of this gentleman before. I don't think he was anywhere near the favorites. He runs the second leg for their relay team. And then the final leg run by the Italian sprinter. I mean, he has to come from behind to beat Great Britain. Uh, I don't know what they're doing there, but obviously it's great for that country that they are coming on as an international yeah. powerhouse.
1: Yeah, Lamont, Marcel Jacobs, who won the 100-meter dash, uh, was, as you said, second leg for Team Italy, helping them win a gold medal. Uh, but if you're a Canadian sports fan, mm-hmm. uh, you're thinking the next song, as our show rolls along, has to be Don't Call It a Comeback. <laughs> because Canada comebacks today to win gold in soccer, Canada come back in the 4 by 100 Andre de Grasse, when he got the baton, was in fifth. Yep. And he blew by his competition being Jamaica and China to get into the bronze medal. And then maybe one of the best comebacks we've seen on the track anywhere by a Canadian athlete this year was Mo Ahmed in the 5,000 meters in his last lap. Yeah. He clocked it, I think, around 55 seconds, give or take a nanosecond or two. And when he entered the final lap, he was in sixth. He wound up blowing by the competition down the final turn and the home stretch to claim a silver medal. Uh, it's been a great, great start to uh, what is the final Friday of the Olympic Games in Tokyo.
2: You... When we watched the replay before the show came on in the prep room, you clocked approximately what his final lap was. Yeah. It was, what, what 56, 58? 55
1: yeah, 55, 56 seconds, yeah.
2: Think of this, though. He averaged 15.58 15. 15. seconds per 100 meters. Now, you and I, I don't think I could run 100 meters in 15.56 seconds. I'm slow. Uh, but to do it 50 in a row to average that out. That's an incredible feat that he did. So congratulations, Mohamed wins silver. I do want to get to this quickly, um, because it is a bit of some breaking news, pseudo breaking news, but hopefully doesn't end poorly for the CFL. So yesterday, the CFL kicked off Joey with Winnipeg and Hamilton, and it was Winnipeg beating Hamilton. Uh, It was a rematch of the Grey Cup from two years ago, if you can believe that. Winnipeg, Not a 100% full stadium, but about 30,000 people there. Uh, No masks on, but I will tell you this if you didn't know going in. You had to be double vaccinated to get into the stadium. Once you were in, they did allow you to remove your masks. But this is interesting because it was first tweeted out by TSN's Ryan Rashog. The fact that the Elks walkthrough and media availability today was canceled due to COVID protocols... Then Farhan Lalji with CSN does update that, saying all players and coaches are still at the facility, which has not been shut down, will undergo more accurate PCR tests as part of protocols. At this point, there is no concern for Saturday's Elks-Red Blacks game um, is in jeopardy. (laughs) This is the first time we've had CFL football since November 24th, 2019. Mm -hmm. Yesterday was the first time we saw it. We saw the cancellation of the season. We know how hard these teams have been working to get back on the field. For the first two, three weeks of training camps, Joe, there had been no positive COVID-19 tests coming out of any training camps, which in itself is an incredible feat. Obviously, players following protocols, you know, health and safety is in place, and everything's going well. But now you've got the first sign of, okay, something could happen. And it's, I don't want to say it's not a surprise, but July eleventh in Alberta, they had their lowest case count of twenty nine cases per day, or twenty nine cases a day that day. August fifth, now we're up to three hundred and ninety seven. BC, we're seeing a similar rise. Like the the pandemic's not over yet, folks. And so June twenty eighth, we had twenty cases. Now we're up to four hundred two for a daily total. They're back rising again. I don't want to say we're like in the fourth wave. I don't want to get that like pessimistic about it, but they are rising again as pe- restrictions. Go down. Vaccination deaths yes, are going up. I believe Canada is the most vaccinated country per capita, per capita uh, in the world. But obviously, with the ability to go see more people, to travel across the province, to travel within provinces, we know the numbers are going up. So, at right now, first glance this hopefully is a negative testing a couple of negative tests and they can do the more accurate PCR tests and they sorry positive tests um, false positives and they can do some more tests come back negative and hopefully everything's okay but for this to happen first week of the CFL to have a scare like this like it, it sucks
1: it does and and you know but I can't say it ultimately surprises me And having here in Vancouver lived through an experience with the team here in the NHL, uh, it didn't take long for things to uh, escalate in a real hurry. And we're not saying that's what's happening in Edmonton with the Elks organization. We're just reporting what we're Mm -hmm. hearing is that... Players are just sort of being told to stay in the facility and we're going to find out if the proper tests are coming back, what they hope are in a, a good light.
2: And we don't know kind of what the positive tests were, there, if there were, what what the situation is, honestly. It's just that we know they're being held at the facility. The media and practice have been cancelled Uh, But as Farhan Lodge, did report at this point, no concerns that Saturday's game is in jeopardy for the sake of the CFL, for the sake of the players and anything going forward. I hope that's the case.
1: Yeah. And we're going to have, as you said, Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press on our show later this morning and uh, next hour, in fact, um, just to get his sense of what the vibe was like in the season opener in Winnipeg, because as you said, not a full house, but as big a crowd as we've seen in a long time at any Canadian sporting event, and that's going to look. Quite small compared to what we're about to see tonight when the BC Lions are in Regina to take on the Saskatchewan Riders, where all signs are pointing to a full house mm-hmm. at Mosaic Stadium. To me, right now, with where we're at, I'm pumped that sports are back and that we're going to be able to go back. Yeah. But the thought right now, even though it's an outdoor stadium and and with where we are as a society right now, like... Mm-hmm. I'm hoping for the best, but man, it's just seeming a little eerie to see, especially when we're watching these fantastic sporting events on a global stage in Japan where nobody's viewing them in person.
2: So I did have one of my best friends, a couple of my best friends were at the game last night. They have season Mm -hmm. tickets to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and I was asking them what it was like. And one said, it's almost surreal that I'm here. And in this sort of setting, now Manitoba, Joey was fully locked down more than we were at all at any point in this pandemic. Like they went on full on, no restaurants for a total like total portion. Gyms were closed; they were unopened. You like in during the dead of winter, I think grocery stores were like only 25%. So can you imagine standing outside in minus 40 degree weather to go and get groceries? Like they were in total lockdown only until recently, were they allowed to have people in their homes? Now, they are opening up, I believe, tomorrow fully. But still, she she said it was like incredible being there. But almost like, I can't believe we're here. So I hope for the sake of people that have been... I mean, we've been enduring this for 18 months now. And we want to get back to some form of normality. I just hope that the signs coming out Edmonton... Because they hope to have a full stadium as well. Yes, Calgary tomorrow too. I believe they want to pack McMahon Stadium for the Stamps. Home opener against the Argos. So... Positive thoughts going that direction. Uh some more breaking news, Joey coming in. Do you remember yeah. what Kale McCarr got for the Colorado Avalanche off the top of your head? I'd have to Google on there.
1: Nine and a half Her, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Well, apparently Darnell Nurse is worth about that much <laughs> to the Edmonton Oilers. Elliot Friedman just tweeting it out. Hearing getting closer on a much anticipated Darnell nurse extension for Edmonton, expected to come in around eight years. Nine point two five million dollars
1: you're kidding uh by the way uh thanks to josh elliott wolf mccarr uh making just to make it official nine million per we don't we want to be
2: correct with everything we say on the show Joe. oh
1: there's a lot of people out there that get their (laughs) back up because somebody missed a decimal point hey listen that's a lot of money for darnell nurse that that's in the eyes of many is too much money
2: as, as an Oilers fan, For that's Darn way too Ilmers. much money. I don't know how it fits in under the salary cap, honestly. Uh, obviously, it kicks in next year. I believe this is the summer he was able to sign this contract extension, if I'm not mistaken. When Oscar Glefbaum went down with this shoulder injury, obviously Darnell Nurse stepped into the top-pairing, top-dog um, role of on defense for the Oilers, Joe, right? Like, this was the guy that they relied upon. He didn't initially run the power play. That was Tyson Berry when he was brought in this season. That's why they brought him in to run the power play. But over time, Darnell Nurse also ran that potent first unit power play. I look at this and I think that's a heck of a lot of money for him. Well, hey, kudos on him. Kudos on his agent for getting this. you You can get that money. Good for you. Just when I look at the salary cap and I look at a lot of needs that this team still needs on the ice I just uh, it's a lot of money
1: he's 26 years old remember they've also opened up the purse strings for Tyson Barry not that long ago mm-hmm. so they obviously
2: Duncan f- Keith's making and
1: Duncan Keith uh, makes a pretty penny as well they obviously feel they've got their defense which has been as a team their Achilles heel to get them past at least a playoff round in the last <laughs> one win one couple round. of years right they've got the juggernauts up front to get the job done offensively but they have not had nearly the production in both ends of the rink from their blue liners that they need to have in order to be a team that makes long postseason runs. Nurse is 26 years old. He's just signed, or as according to Elliot Friedman, and again, in case you're just joining us, Freeze tweeting out, hearing we're getting closer to the much anticipated Darnell Nurse extension, expected to come in at around nine and a quarter per year for eight years
2: a lot of money.
1: He's going to retire as an Edmonton Oiler.
2: I mean, I'm okay with him retiring as an Edmonton Oiler. I like him as a player. I think he's a fabulous player. This was
1: a guy that 12 months ago people thought was on the trade block.
2: Well, he, sh- he stepped up this season. He did. No, hate- <laughs> I give him credit.
1: I give him a ton of credit because there was a huge amount of expectations placed on him based on where he was drafted, and his development has been right, I think, where the Oilers expected it would be, mm-hmm. but that is a lot of cash. For a guy at his age, and he's only played just over 400 games in the league.
2: He's taken a pretty sizable pay raise too. He's making 5.6 mil on this last deal. He's gonna get a nice raise, up to uh, apparently 9.5 million dollars, or $25 5 million dollars. That's ex- ex- exceptional. Good work from his agent. Uh, let's get to what they're saying. This is what they're saying. We talked about Abby Wambach earlier. In the show, Joe, she was uh, texting out, I really want this for Cincy. Well, she did have a congratulations video on Twitter. Let's hear from this now. Thank you. Nobody deserves it more than you, sister. Awesome. Congratulations to all of Canada, all of the players, also all the players who built the program, the Charmaine Hoopers, the Tancredis, the Sophie Schmitz. You guys are all a part of this win. I feel super emotional for you. Good job. Like, I'm getting choked up listening to that. The first time I did, I almost, I was like, okay, Karen, don't cry on air listening to this. There
1: are a lot of Canadian soccer fans who are hearing that and have had their jaws hit the floor. Because Abby Wambach and Team USA, Mm -hmm. on many days when they faced the Canadians, are public enemy number one. But you can hear, just in the tone, that's a genuine message From, I think, a pretty genuine athlete, even if she's caused Canadian sports fans fits Mm -hmm. over the years, she's giving credit where I think credit is due. And Mm -hmm. that's to Christine Sinclair, who has helped this program come leaps and bounds, but she also is crediting where the program just started. And remember, she's an opponent of Canada and has enjoyed great success against those who wear the Maple Leaf. That's pretty classy from Abby Wambach.
2: What really struck me from that was, yes, she obviously congratulated Christine Sinclair. You deserve this, but the program deserved it. Like the fact that she talked about Charmaine Hooper, the fact that she mentioned uh, Melissa Tancredi, yep. who was a stalwart for this country for so long. It, uh, she understands. I think probably too. Like her program has been so dominant. We can go back to Brandi Chastain, and you know, after they made the kick and the, pulling off the jersey, and yep. the U.S. women, like they have been the gold standard. Yeah,
1: ham of course. Yes, yep.
2: they have been the gold standard in women's soccer. For such a long time. And I think she probably understands the where they started where they've come from come to with Canada, yep. right? And the fact that now it's finally the money invested in the grassroots program, That's the talent that we have in this country now coming up. We've mentioned it already on the show, how young some of these players that were sent thrust into the penalty kick situation and the three girls that did make the penalty kicks were under the age of twenty three. Like it's it's an incredible feat from Canada, but it's incredible the fact that Abby Wombach Realizes the importance of this moment for our country, the country north of the United States.
1: Julia Grosso was 11 years old when Christine Sinclair led Canada to their first ever Olympic medal performance. And
2: don't you think she said, I want to be like Christine Sinclair?
1: 100%. One day"? 100%. And she wasn't the only one. And that was on display today with Canada winning gold.
2: Andre de Grasse, he is now the all time Canadian. Decorated Olympic athlete on the track. Correct, Joey. I gotta get that right. On the track, Penny still has the all-time most decorated Canadian athlete of all time at the Olympics. Let's hear from Andre DeGrasse after the four by one hundred men's relay won bronze earlier today in Tokyo.
3: Yeah, I mean, I just try to do my part. Um, these guys did an amazing job. I mean, we all we're, all we're all pretty happy about the performance. Of course, you know we could have we could have did better. We know we know um, what we're capable
2: of, but hey, we. Uh, came away with a medal, and uh, that's what we you know, came here to do. And uh, we're just happy that we can uh, you know, defend our Olympic bronze medal, and uh, we're just going to continue to get better from here for, uh, for next year.
1: And for you, that's Olympic medal number six. Yeah. When do you think that's going to sink
3: in? Oh, <laughs> uh, no, it's crazy, man. I was, I was telling these guys, man, I'm proud to be a part of this team and you know, for these guys to help me win my sixth medal. I'm just so grateful and thankful for, uh, for this,
2: and uh, I'm just really proud of them. Aaron Brown, Jerome Blake, Brendan Rodney, Andre de Grasse. Aaron Brown, also part of the relay team in Rio that yep. won bronze. So they didn't improve, didn't change the color in this one from Rio, but they equaled it. Just an incredible feat, an incredible final leg. I mean, we'll give kudos to the other gentlemen that ran in this race. It's a team event. You have to do your part at every point in this event. But it's just on display because Canada was trailing when Andre de Grasse got the baton. And it wasn't a very crazy.
1: Trade. They were in fifth. They were in fifth. Now they weren't going to catch as as fast as he was down the home stretch. Right. He wasn't going to catch the sprinters from Italy or Great Britain. But he had some ground to make up on the uh sprinters from China and Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And much like he did in uh the races leading up, like he had an unbelievable finishing kick in I believe it was the semifinal mm-hmm. of the four by one where the Americans completely soiled the sheets and mm-hmm. didn't qualify like canada was in tough position there as well but you know he put on a great display as did his teammates mm-hmm. he he doesn't get to that situation if they don't have good successful passes of the baton from one to the other to the other
2: we've got a very busy show today but one conversation i want the listeners to get into 960 960 650 650 and joey posed this with peter labardius last hour is this the most successful Summer Olympics. We're going to keep it with summer. Summer Olympics ever by Canada. There's a couple of options to go with. You could go back to 1996. Of course, that's the Donovan Bailey, fastest man in the world, world records. Remember, also the 4x100 men's relay team. Joey, I was watching the race a couple of days ago because it was the 25th anniversary, and Donovan posted it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Just the, the memory of Bernie Cernan. Surin, handing it off, and him knowing as soon as the handoff that Donovan had it, his hands were in the air, and then Donovan running with the baton in the air. It was arrogance, and it was phenomenal, and I loved every second of it.
1: And it was in the United States of America to boot. That
2: one was Atlanta in 1996. You could go back to Barcelona if you want. 18 medals, but seven are most ever in a non-boycotted game. Seven gold medals in 1992 in Barcelona. Uh, I'm going to defer to you on that one when we talk about it because I would have been 10 and don't really have (laughs) any memories of it. Not to say you're old, Joey. I'm just saying. Um, Getting there. Getting there. We could go back to the last games in Rio. 22 medals. Ties our most all-time, which we did in Atlanta. 22, the story of Penny Alexiak. I mean, Andre de Grasse storming onto the stage with Usain Bolt there in the races. So you could choose 2016, or you could choose 2020 Tokyo. Um,
1: I think this year goes down as the greatest. And I know we're living it in the moment, and we've had a morning to remember. mm -hmm. But you think about what Canada has already accomplished right now. And there's still a few medals up for grabs in a few other events, both in track and field. Uh, And on the water. Uh, But six gold, six silver, ten bronze. It's got Canada tied, as we speak, uh, for 11th overall Mm -hmm. in overall medals. But you think of what's been accomplished. A gold in sprinting by Canada's fastest athlete. Mm -hmm. The decathlon, an event that a Canadian has never won, is now an Olympic record for the event that crowns the greatest athlete on the planet. All right. We've won gold uh in soccer. We've won gold on the water in rowing. Mm-hmm. Like and it's in team events. Yes. Right? It's in team events. Now Andre and and um you know, he, he wound up winning uh a gold medal as an individual sprinter. But mm-hmm. like it's it's been a fantastic and Evan done, we've had some unbelievable individual accomplishments mm-hmm. in sports where Canada's never even hit the podium.
2: So we sorry, I keep saying we've won three medals today. We've won four.
1: Well, when he is starting the day, pre... Evan Dunphy was last night.
2: Well, okay, Friday. Let's use the term Friday. Okay. Because Friday in Tokyo.
1: Yes, Friday. fair enough.
2: Yeah, I mean, I know it was Thursday, but let's use okay. Friday, okay? Because I keep forgetting. I was just thinking, okay, Canada wins gold. Canada wins silver. Canada wins bronze. Evan Dunphy from Richmond yes. here in where we are currently positioned uh, broadcasting from. I can't forget about him because he had completely disappointment in, um, in Rio, but he finished yep. fourth. He had hamstring cramping, but he said he used the fuel of his family. He got through it, and he passed, I believe, a couple walkers to finish in that third he had, place. It,
1: the, the comebacks, Canada, this might be the greatest single comeback day in Canadian sports history. When you look at the four medals that have been won and how they were achieved by the athletes in question, whether it was a team event or an individual event, like the way these athletes finished up strong, that goes down as a day for the record books.
2: And thanks for uh, those who uh, texted in, because I think I said Donovan Bennett, who is a regular on the show. Of <laughs> course, I mean Donovan Bailey. <laughs> Apologize to that. Donovan Bailey, I should never make that mistake again. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to speak to one of the gentlemen who has been hosting Sportsnet's Olympic coverage on our network. Brad Fay is coming up next. You're listening to Rintoul and Sermon with Joey Kenward in for Scott Rintoul on the Sportsnet radio network.
1: Now back to Rintoul and Sermon.
2: Got the heavy beats this time, Joe. Just gets the head going. You know, it's 10.30, 11.30, depending where you're listening to us from. Just get some heavy beats going. Yeah, it's
1: called What's Golden.
2: <laughs> Is it okay? I don't know. I'm terrible with music. If you want to play some country or some 80s rock, do we even call it classic rock, just 80s rock, I could probably be a little bit better with the uh, the tunes.
1: Well, You've issued the challenge to our producer see what he comes up with at the top it of I don't know if there's anything
2: hour. golden in any country music songs. It's usually about breakups and drinking beer, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's anything more golden. I'm sure
1: he could find one, trust me.
2: Uh, I want to get this in quickly before we speak with Brad Faye. We're going to speak to him, of course. He was hosting Sportsnet's Olympic coverage, the overnight coverage, uh, so we'll see if he's had a couple of coffees and woken up. But uh, good news story. Uh, this just came in from the Western Canada Hockey Association. They just tweeted out that Michael Ferland is joining uh, the Western Canada Hockey Academy. Uh, excuse me, The former Week King star played in 357 NHL games. Of course, we know with Calgary, where he had probably his most success. And then the Carolina Hurricanes and the Vancouver Canucks. He is accepting a position as a new on-ice development coach. I say this is a good news story. Joey, because of the fact we know what the last couple of years have been like for Michael Furland. He's been on LTIR with concussion, post-concussion symptoms. And for him to now be in a place, we have he's came out and said, like, I know my NHL playing days are over. I will never step on an NHL ice again to play hockey. Uh, it's all about quality of life now for him and his young family. And obviously he's in a position now where he can impart his knowledge and step into the coaching range but I'm just happy that he's in a place where he feels he can take just another step and still be in the game of hockey.
1: Yeah and on their Twitter uh, feed uh, that we were able to see the uh, quote from Michael Furland is this I'm very excited it's watching the kids want to learn and get better they have a great coaching staff over there I've it's always fun watching kids enjoy what they're doing. I'm really looking forward to getting going. I'm looking forward to the arena and the hockey academy. I think it's going to be good for the city. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, Michael Furlan. Uh, started his junior hockey career playing for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Had great success there before mm-hmm. uh, getting traded to the Saskatoon Blades. Then his pro career kicked off in a big way with the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. And then some time in Carolina before coming here to the West Coast to be with the Canucks. Um, yeah, you can only hope for the best for a yeah. guy that's fought the injury bug in a really tough, tough way the past few seasons. So what does that officially mean? Uh, money-wise, not 100% sure. but uh,
2: Well, I mean, Chris Pronger worked for... Did, was it him that works for the NHL head office? Will still be on LTIR, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So I'm sure that getting
1: paid by the Phoenix Coyotes, yes. who of course he enjoyed great success with over the years. <laughs> no, I, I I assume that it's just
2: LTIR, and he I can... would assume. Hey, but, I, I love, I just i am happy for him. You know him a little bit better than I do. Joe, I actually don't know him at all. I just know the reported issues that he's been through and it seems like it's been pretty hellish for him yeah. over the past couple of years. Yeah, so,
1: so you're hoping that he's uh, on the road to as uh, good a healthy living mm. as possible um, in his future. He's got a very young family. Uh, but he's going back to his roots uh, to be working with the uh, Western Canadian Hockey Academy in Manitoba.
2: So best of luck, nothing but the best, and good wishes for Michael Ferland as he kind of moves on in his post-playing career. We're going to talk a little more Olympics now. Of course, we have to because it's been a golden morning for us, Canada winning gold in the women's soccer match. We're going to be joined now by Brad Fay, Sportsnet Olympic host. Brad, how are you? You got some coffee in you. I understand that you maybe got a quick nap overnight. (laughs)
3: <laughs> yes a quick nap after the game too so oh, uh, perfect. <laughs> you get you got to kind of find uh, pick your spots and i missed too many things with uh with the uh, 200 and then the um the end of the decathlon so i said i wasn't going to not get up for this soccer game and the relay so i'm glad i did it was oh. something else
2: well, it's funny. You would have had the perfect time slot, right, if the game had not been moved, right? Because it yes, would have been exactly. during your time.
3: You don't know what? They, Don't they know how important I am? And they could have, thought, could have asked me.
2: Right? Well, us up here in the Mountain Time Zone, in the Pacific Time Zone, we were hoping for that. But obviously, yeah. it was for the best for the athletes. I understand that. When you were watching that match, Brad, this morning, it was kind of a mixed of emotions for joey and myself and from our listeners because the way it started off with sweden really pressing early on canada kind of finding a bit more footing but then sweden takes the goal and canada did something at the half that i think maybe surprised and bev Priestman surprised some people was the fact that she made a couple of offensive changes because she knew that canada had to push on the front foot some more and she took out janine becky who's been a pretty important player for canada so far in these olympic games
3: yeah gutsy got the uh, call and i i like that uh that, you know, when when you saw that there were a couple of changes, it just meant, I think, the energy she just felt that it just, you know, it wasn't there, and it, at this point, you're, you're not about feelings, and you're not about sentimentality when uh, you realize, because they were I agree with you, badly outplayed in the first half and you felt like there was nothing there, and then the energy's completely shifted, so you know, the, the Monday morning quarterback is one thing, but I think when it happened, I think a lot of people realized exactly what she was trying to do, it just didn't, they didn't seem to have any sort of uh, momentum going forward.
1: You know, Uh, We don't talk a lot about, uh, unless it's in a negative light, refereeing in sports. And Uh there was a moment that turned out to be a big-time game-changer when Canada was awarded a penalty kick after video review. And we all know that Canada's women's experiences with VAR in the past have not gone the way of the Maple Leaf. Um, Uh Were you at all thinking when that was being reviewed that could this possibly not be a penalty kick based on uh previous experiences with with our our national women's program and and those high profile officiating moments.
3: Yeah, it's funny the uh you know the 2012 9 years ago now but that's still the game that everybody points to and that that rare call of the of the goalie taking too long going against Canada changed everything against the the Americans so I think a lot of people were suggesting that before the game saying time to you know get that, get that out of the system the referee everything else. So yeah, as soon as I saw the replay. It's it's funny because it's like, you know, watching uh soccer is like watching playoff hockey where a, a a call anywhere in the field that would have been an obvious foul. When it's in the box it suddenly changes. It makes it you know what I'm saying is like late in the game or overtime. You know, it's not a penalty anymore. So in this case, as soon as they showed the replay and it was pretty clear cut that uh and you didn't notice it in live time, but it's pretty clear cut that Christine Sinclair's foot got to the ball and the defender didn't and took her down so I think it was you know as soon as I saw that I said they can't not make this call but again that shows how bang bang it is because it looked initially like it just was a that she got a piece of the ball first and by inches you know that changed everything. You know
1: it's interesting the way this match played out um, and it's it's rare for us to say this but in a Canadian victory on a big stage match Christine Sinclair was a relative non-factor she got subbed out late in the game wasn't there in the penalty shootout and I think that's the first time in her days with Canada that when the teams had to go to kicks from the mark she hasn't taken a shot but that just goes to show you the depth of this program and to how far this program has come uh as she has been able to help this team take it to another level
3: yeah and the fact that she drew the penalty that, that that got them even which is great so doing her part. And I've seen the last couple of games against the United States as, as well, where she came out of the game early, obviously at that point to protect the lead, but it's fun to see, you know, that one that she's able to do that without any issue. And I don't think anybody that's watched Christine Sinclair would be surprised that she's all about the team. I love her quote the other day where they said, uh, do you feel that these uh, women are trying to win it for you? And she goes, oh, God, I hope not. You know, and some of these, some of these women were little girls when she was playing first for Canada and first put sort of soccer on the map in this country on the, on the women's side, particularly. So what a cool, you know, cool thing to have somebody come in the game. That's uh, 20 years younger than she is or 18 years younger than she is. So it's uh, I agree with you. The program is in great shape.
2: We're speaking with Brad Faye, Sportsnet Olympic host, Brad. I said off the top of the show, Christine Sinclair didn't need this. Like She didn't need a gold medal to cement any sort of legacy that she has, um, that we'll remember her for. She's already, you know, 303 caps for Canada, the all-time leading scorer internationally, men and women. She's got some Olympic gold medals, or sorry, Olympic medals, but does she does get this gold. When you look back at what, it's maybe a pretty simple question, but when you look back, what is her legacy for you overall? Well-
3: yeah, well, I think it's one of, of class is the first word that comes to mind. It's interesting that uh, I don't know if you guys saw or may have talked about. With Abby Wambach tweeted, "I want this for Christine Sinclair," which was really interesting. You know to talk about a full circle, but that's the respect that that she has gained, even with their the biggest rival and the and the woman that was at the heart of everything that happened in 2012. But I think it's a, you know I'd say that Christine Sinclair is representative of this era. Of Canadian athletics uh, across the board in the Olympics, and and not only that, suddenly we are a world power in a bunch of different sports and a bunch of different disciplines. But there's rare that that somebody that you don't like, you know, you watch uh, Damian Warner and you watch Andre de Grasse, they smile and they're humble and they're like, oh, I just I'm so I'm so, so excited. It's not about beating the chest and going, nobody believed me and this and that. And it it's been this this era, and St. Clair was sort of at the front of that. In my mind. And I just, I love her frankness and I love the, you know, the way she competes. So legend for sure. But I think she's kind of set the pace for maybe a whole generation of athletes in a lot of ways.
1: All right. So Canada in that match, during regulation, they come back, they force it to extra time. In penalty kicks, they come back because they were behind the eight ball.
3: That was wild. But that, but, but Brad,
1: that's not the only comeback for Canada. At the Olympics on this date, we had three unbelievable individual comeback performances two on the track and one on the streets of Yokohama. I mean, we're talking about the four by 100 meter relay team, we're talking about Mo Ahmed and the 5,000 meter. And then you were working in the early morning hours uh, of uh, the race walk, the 50K race walk, when British Columbia's own Evan Dumphy had a comeback to remember to claim bronze for our country i mean this was a very very special day at the tokyo olympics wasn't it for our country
3: yeah absolutely and again you talk about class and the way guys handle themselves it, it's amazing to think that in a race like that which is probably in normal cases the the least known event for most people you know in, in the world and in canada in terms of that race walk and then you get a guy who finishes fourth five years ago but puts that sport on the map because of the way he conducted himself in the aftermath of all that him being hip checked and, and bumped up to third after the protest. And then, uh, the appeal comes back the other way and back to fourth, And he just said, I, I, I wouldn't have wanted that medal that way. Context, part of our sport. I look forward to Tokyo 2020. Then he has to wait an extra year and, and gets that bronze medal. And it was, uh, it looked like it was, as you said, a comeback, cause it looked like it was done. He was in that second pack, fell back. And then all of a sudden there he is again. And, uh, it, it was incredibly emotional to watch him react that way and uh, talk about a guy that's, the, you know, the torchbearer for a sport that uh, that may not be around that long in the Olympic program. I know they're going away from the fifty k anyway, but that's, that was that was incredible and and it shows what the Olympics brings because that's a sport a lot of people wouldn't be too excited about, and everybody was watching him come across and get that bronze. Medal.
1: Well, and Brad, his post medal interview was as good a one-liner maybe as we've seen of any Canadian athlete after performing. And, and I know you, you, it caught you by surprise because you were on the sports net yeah. desk at the time for our listeners that didn't hear it. I mean, he basically was asked when you go home and celebrate, how are you going to celebrate? What did he say? <laughs>
3: And he said, that oh, way goes. I'm really looking forward to going for a walk around my neighborhood. I haven't been able to do that." And I said, "Yeah, guy just walked 50k, and he wants to wants to go for a walk. Let him, uh, you know. It made me think of Forrest Gump. You know, I have to go pee. He has to go pee. Let him go. You know, it, it was, uh, yeah, pretty pretty incredible. And um, and it's you know his grandmother that he speaks so so much about that, that passed away within the last two years was a hundred, and always was. You know, I love how he said the irony of it where." she said you know we want to give him wings on his feet and then she comes from a place that it's always about you know the flightless the bird and, and in his race he has to keep both one foot on the ground all the time all those little crossover things so a very thoughtful guy and uh you know likable regardless if he had missed the podium again he'd be remembered but now he's got something to uh to carry with him forever it's fantastic Brad Faye from
1: Sportsnet's Olympic coverage joining us here on Sportsnet 650 and Sportsnet The Fan 960. Joey Kenward and Karen Sermon with you. Hey, um, Andre DeGrasse has had a, a games for the ages, and he becomes, if I'm not mistaken, the first male athlete in track and field from this country to have hit the podium in every event that he's entered. Three medals mm-hmm. this year, three medals in Rio talk about stamping your authority on the sport not only for your country but the international stage uh, this has turned into a, a story that i i don't know if anybody i mean everybody in canada was hoping and expecting him to
3: medal but the way he's done it were you expecting it to play out the way it has i the only one i'd say i expected was the 200 as soon as i saw the the 100 the way it finished you know you felt like if he had another 20 meters he was going to win that race and i thought nobody's beaten this guy in the 200 because he gets that that extra room to to run out but in terms of the six podiums and six tries and in, in two olympics the amazing thing to me is you know maybe in distance races it's always going to be amazing let's face it but the fact that it's in sprints where you know one bad start he had some false starts in his heats in the hundreds that kept lighting up the first 200 heat he had a false start it was getting frustrating One moment of lapse of concentration and you're done. And for him to show up on the day of each of those races and every single time deliver, that is really, really rare.
2: Brad, switching now to basketball and the Toronto Raptors, Masayu Jerry coming back to the Raptors with a new title, vice chair and president of the Raptors. So no longer president of basketball operations, but president. In your mind, was there any doubt that he would come back?
3: I think there wasn't until it kept stretching on and on. And uh, everybody was, you know, sort of was under the impression, like, what is taking so long? And uh, he but he said, I can look after everybody else. And he got Nick Nurse lined up. He got Bobby Webster lined up. And then he said, I'll take care of myself. And, And that's how it all happened. But if I'm honest, I started to wonder. And the only thing I worried about is from a Raptors fan's perspective is, You know whether or not it was just the job was enough for him. It wasn't about that he was going to go somewhere else and be in charge of basketball. I always say, make the joke of someone's going to offer him, you know, to be the vice chairman of the world. He's just that type of guy that he takes on so much, and everybody loves what he does and what he stands for. So I think uh, it's yeah to answer your question, not surprised, but I got got a little nervous if you want to use that term because we sure like having him around the uh, the Canadian sports scene. So
2: when uh, Adrian Wojnowski broke the news initially yesterday, he did say the fact that, okay, it wasn't just NBA teams that were after him. You know, it's not the Knicks, it's not the Lakers, but other clubs in different sports internationally. What does Masai do so well that other clubs internationally want to bring him on? Like he doesn't even have experience in their sports, but they Mm -hmm. want him to lead their program.
3: Yeah, it's interesting. I was so shocked that Woj would break a story in the NBA. You know, that, was, that was the biggest, <laughs> <laughs> biggest surprise. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just the you know the way that he handles himself, the way he runs an organization. Uh, you've seen people come through, like Kyle Lowry is the perfect example. That Kyle Kyle was a bit of a jerk, and uh, he didn't buy into anything. It was about him, it, you know, not so much about the about the team and him getting paid and everything else, and and. That's a perfect example of the way he went from who he was to, to where he ended up as a as a human being now leaving leaving the Raptors. And and I think that just the the calmness that Masai oversees everything with. He's a guy I always say I could listen to him talk about anything for as long as he wanted to. He's just got that that classy delivery the way about it, the big world picture. So I think that people just realize and I think it's changing in sports where you don't have to be a guy that you know came through in a, a particular sport. If you can run the organization and put him in a position like he is, where you have a general manager below in basketball, obviously Masai, that's his life. But he, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if he had gone to a uh, you know, Premier Division club or something like that, because it's all about starts with the organization and then you work within that to uh, to try to win championships.
1: Hey Brad, you mentioned Lowry. Uh, if you go to NBA. dot com, the headline feature story is lowry can get heat back to their contending ways now that might be true but with his departure where does it leave the raptors on court when uh, yeah, training a, camp rolls around in the fall
3: i yeah, i think it's still an unwritten uh story in terms of this offseason because uh you know i mean today literally is the first day officially they announce everything so to this point it's been underwhelming for sure kem birch getting under contract is good the draft pick of scotty barnes they love this guy and again, talk about uh, the whole Messiah effect. It's the, the person that they like, if there was any doubt between he and and Jalen Suggs. So I, I think it's there's one more move to come. They're running out of options, uh, you know, what that move is. But I think that they've established, and the fact that the, the likes of Fred Van Vliet and OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, if he stays, they're still getting better and they're still in their, their prime. So I think the Raptors are a solid playoff team, but I think their goal is clearly to not be a solid playoff team, but to be contending every year. They finished till last year. They finished in the top four in these seven straight years. So there's been a consistent basis and that's the, you know, that's what they've established as their goal. So don't think they're done yet, but we'll see.
2: Hey Brad, thanks so much for joining us today. I know it's been a long and lack of sleep-filled day for you, so hopefully you can get a little bit more before you have to be back on air today. Uh, what do you have coming up on the Sportsnet uh, for the Olympic coverage this afternoon? I'm,
3: I'm not even sure okay. what we have on deck, but I'm on, yeah, we're on like 7.45 Eastern Time and it's sort of winding down now. Not a whole lot left. This is our last night, so uh, right. I'll look forward to it though. Thanks for having me on.
1: Hey, and uh, as a proud British Columbian and a lot of our listeners might not be aware of this, you're born and raised in BC. You've done a great Job following in the footsteps of fellow B.C.ers like Dave Randorf and John McKeechee who have uh, worked Olympic Games for our national network. So uh, I know it's a thrill for you to be able to to represent your province and your country, uh, even if you're doing it in the wee hours of the morning.
3: Absolutely, always, and even if I'm doing it from the uh, Evil Empire, Toronto. Right? It's all good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> thanks,
1: Brad. Have a good day.
3: All right, thanks, Stay Brad. Care,
2: that is uh, Sportsnet's Brad Fay, of course, doing the late night. Overnight Olympic coverage for sports night. Yeah, it's, it kind of feels like it's... I mean, today was a very busy day, obviously, yeah. and there's still a lot of things going on. Potential for Canada to win some more medals and surpass our real total, Rio total that we have tied right now with 22 medals from last Olympics.
1: Yeah, there's one event that I, I know I and a lot of Western Canadians are going to be keeping a close eye on to where Canada potentially could medal and it would be in a sport that not a lot of people would want to watch unless there's a Canadian uh, down the stretch drive looking for a podium finish and that's in the women's marathon. That's going to mm. be uh, late this afternoon our time. So flooding. Saturday morning. Yeah, and it's uh, Melindy Elmore okay. who's from Kelowna. Uh, if I'm not not mistaken. I think she's. If she hasn't turned forty, she just is very okay. close to turning forty years of age. Uh, but she's been training in the Okanagan heat for weeks, and we all know how hot it's been in Tokyo mm-hmm. lately. There's a lot of competitors that will have not experienced those kind of conditions wherever they have come from across the world to prepare for an event like this. So uh, here's keeping fingers crossed that maybe Brad Fagot's to to cover one more Canadian medal finisher uh, before the Olympics wrap up this weekend.
2: Also, keep your eye on women's. Canoe doubles. Now, the canoe 20, 200 meter sprint just debuted in these Olympics, Joey. Uh, Canada got silver by Laurent Vincent Lapointe. She'll be in the boat again with her um, duo partner.
1: Yeah, Vincent. Vincent and Vincent competing together, are they not?
2: Oh, the the um, for, for yes. So Vincent was in. Uh, the, she was in the finals as well for this for the two hundred meter. She finished unfortunately last in that race, but that would make sense why she is in it. So Vincent Lapointe and Vincent will be in the boat for Canada. So one silver in that boat. We'll see if we can get another to just push us over <laughs> that twenty-two medal mark for Canada. Two hours in the books, a couple more to go. You're listening to Rintoul and Sermon Joey Kenward and for Scott Rintoul on the Sportsnet Radio Network.